On today's show, the Atlanta Hawks get a fourth straight victory, a very impressive road win over in Dallas behind an awesome offensive performance across the board that was balanced. There was star performances from Trey Young and DeJounte Murray. It was everything you would want from the Hawks, especially in front of a national TV audience on this Wednesday evening. We'll have a full breakdown of the game and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1392 of the Lothan Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening into Thursday. And thank you for joining us, as always, on the podcast. Make us your first listen each and every day. Check out the Lothan Hawks podcast across podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Also, we're over on YouTube and anywhere you get your podcasts. And today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. And today's show, is going to be diving into what became a very impressive win for the Hawks, 130 to 122 over in Dallas in front of a national audience on ESPN. Of course, uh, always nationally, it's talked about as the battle between Trey and Luca, but that wasn't what this game was. There was a little bit of that, of course. Luca's a good, he's a really great player in Dallas. Trey was fantastic in this game. Dejounte Murray was fantastic in this game. But the real headliner was the way the Hawks play as a team on offense. They were very balanced in this game, and they've now won four games in a row for the first time all season. Yes, the first time. All season, this is game 45. They had not won four games in a row. In fact, there was only a second time all year long they'd actually won at least three games in a row. And they're now above 500 again at 23 and 22 for the first time since before Christmas. So the Hawks, again, have been playing very well recently. There's been all the organizational stuff off the floor. That isn't going away at this point, although the Hawks have been doing the media tour uh, with Landry Fields and Kyle Korver over the last couple of days, which is interesting for sure. And uh, we'll have some of that in the future, I'm sure. And by the way, I, was, I talked a, a lot about the Hawks off-court stuff, et cetera, on Monday evening into Tuesday. So if you missed any of that, that should be available in this podcast feed. But today's show is going to focus on this game, and we'll dive into the game right now. So Dallas has now lost 5-6, of six after actually, including this one. They're a very good offensive team and a so-so defensive team. That was definitely the case in this game, and it has been the way that way all year long. This is the first game of the season between the Hawks and the Mavs. Of course, every game is seemingly on TNT or ESPN, whatever, uh, Trey and Luka get together. And uh, only the seventh game ever, though, between Trey and Luka. Uh, Dallas now leads the series 4-3 to three in those seven games, but it was 4-2 coming into the night. Last year was a 1-1 split between the Hawks and the Mavs, with both, team, both teams winning at home. So going on the road here and winning this one is pretty impressive for Atlanta. Um, as it was the other day, the Hawks had a clean injury report in this spot. Always nice to have. Hasn't happened very often in the uh, last couple of years for the Hawks, but other than Cap- and then Capella still being restricted in minutes. And by the way, Lauren Javara of Valley Sports Southeast reported and talked to Clint that he's uh, his expectation was about 23 minutes. And by the way, he played exactly 23 minutes in this game. So that was definitely the uh, the cap on Capella in this game. And at that number, they still started a Congo in this spot, which makes sense. But Capella in, sort of easing his way back in looks pretty good to me as he's been playing in recent days. And again, no injuries at all for Atlanta. The Mavs were without two of their key guys, not their stars by any means, but Max Kleber is still out for Dallas as well as Tim Hardaway Jr., an old friend, of course, of the Hawks. And they actually got two guys back in this game to Dallas. Dorian Finney-Smith, who really struggled in this one after missing about a month for Dallas. And then Josh Green, the second-year guy. He's actually pretty good off the bench, and he played well in this one. But anyway, bet online, our friends over there, made the Hawks about a two-and-a-half-point underdog in this game. And for context, if you're not a huge betting person, there's generally like a two-point home court advantage Essentially, something like that. It kind of varies, but something in that range. So basically, what that number tells you is that Vegas kind of projected this game as like a coin flip with the Hawks at full strength and the Mavs with a little bit bit less than full strength. 
uh, on a neutral floor. And that makes some sense. And really, this game was very close and kind of back and forth. The Hawks led by double digits at one point. So did Dallas. But it was really a nip and tuck game all the way through until the very end. And that was kind of uh, the way it was supposed to be in this one, even if the Hawks were slight underdogs coming in. Uh, early on, the Hawks' offense was just cooking, and it was the entire night. They scored 40 points in the first quarter. Yes, 40 points in the first quarter. They scored four points in the first 30 seconds or so. Um, it was DeAndre Hunter on Luka Doncic, as you might expect, as the primary assignment. He did a pretty good job in this game, although things got off the rails a little bit later. Not in a bad way, just the way that the Hawks kind of had to navigate this game because of all the fouls they got. There's lots of whistles in this one. I'll try not to repeat myself too much, but the Hawks certainly did not get a friendly whistle in this game. On the road, you kind of expect a little bit of uh, home cooking sometimes for the opponent. But uh, I thought it was pretty favorable to Dallas at times in this game. Anyway, Hunter is by far the best option defensively against Luka on this roster. No surprise there. But the Hawks really played aggressively, almost like playoff style against Luka in this one. They blitzed him a lot in pick and roll coverage, which without going crazy into that right now, the Hawks don't really do that very much. In fact, it's kind of rare. I asked my friend Glenn Willis, who's a great analyst who's been on this podcast many times, to kind of reflect on how often the Hawks were doing that. And it, basically Atlanta never does this like as regularly as they did in this game. And that's because Luca is sort of a unique talent and the Hawks were trying to get the ball off his hands. That was effective at times, not effective at times, but it definitely is some respect shown because the Hawks don't really do that and game plan that way uh, very often. Dallas didn't uh, kind of maybe set as many screens early on because they sort of adjusted that. But other than that, the theme of the early going was the Hawks getting to the rim and getting to the paint. That was really encouraging. They had scored their first 10 points in the paint in this game. They were pretty, I, th- I think, intentionally trying to attack. The Hawks did take a lot of floaters in this game, so it wasn't like they were getting all the way to the rim, all the way through, but they were definitely getting into the paint and getting deeper into the paint than they have been for most of the season, which is really good to see. And Dallas is below average at protecting the rim. That was the theme in this game as well. They're also bottom five in free throw attempts allowed, which was uh, kind of giving the Hawks free reign to go into the rim and get some uh, get some foul calls and be more aggressive attacking. The Hawks led by seven points by the middle of the first quarter without making a shot from outside six feet. So it was definitely an emphasis early on to get to the rim and get close to the rim. Uh, rotationally, I just talk about a lot. Uh, the Hawks basically treated this game as a playoff game, which is kind of weird in some respects because it's a mid game, it's a mid season game uh, on a Wednesday night. Yes, it was an ESPN game, but Nate McMillan does not care about that. I can promise you that. But with no game on either side, the Hawks were able to kind of you know no back to backs, etc., and everybody's healthy. So Nate, pretty much, if you go to go through the rotation, it was essentially what I would expect to happen in a playoff series, with the one exception of Capella being a little bit limited, of course, on the minutes, but. As far as that, the Hawks played eight guys for the vast majority of this game. In fact, without foul trouble, the Hawks were only going to play eight guys. Joe Johnson played in, the, uh, played in the second half. We'll come back to that later on as the ninth. But the Hawks really just kind of pushed their chips in. And I've been saying it for a long time. The Hawks have a pretty clear top eight in the minds of the coaching staff, the way that they sort of deployed this roster. I think Jalen's number nine, and then Aaron Holiday is probably number 10. But it's been a clear top eight for a while. That was definitely the case again in this game. Um, Bogey and Capella came in mid-quarter. Trey had a quick rest in the first and third. And then Griffin came in earlier than usual, which kind of was my first giveaway that the Hawks were not going to play Aaron, uh, Aaron Holiday in this game or Jalen Johnson. It was going to be an eight-man group, and that happened. Uh, AJ was good also, also off the bench in this one. Uh, they, the Hawks did create some turnovers early on in this game, five in the first quarter. Sorry, five in the first nine minutes, I should say. Um, Luka, though, was hot. He had 13 points in, like, I don't know, seven minutes for Dallas, but the Hawks did sort of clamp down from there a little bit more. Offensively, though, they just couldn't be stopped in that first quarter. Trey had a nice, great lob to Clint for a thunderous dunk. Uh, that also had a, a just beautiful floater over the top of JL McGee, who's like 7-1, 7-2. Uh, there was an injury scare late in the first quarter. With Trey Young leaving the game, got tangled up under the basket with uh, sort of a camera person. Uh, went to the locker room in between quarters. The Hawks were pretty quickly announced that he was going to be probable to return with an ankle sprain. So it's an ankle, something to at least kind of worry about, but he was able to come back and play very well in this game. So crisis averted for now. But generally speaking, the Hawks offensively 
were awesome in the game and they were even better in the first quarter. 40 points on 27 possessions. That is more, that, sorry, it's about a, about a point and a half per possession, which is a crazy number. The, the most points scored in a first quarter all year for Atlanta, which tells the story, zero turnovers in the first quarter, nine assists, including five by Trey. Uh, 22 points in the paint is a huge number. Uh, defensively, obviously, the Hawks only up by three at the end of the first quarter, which kind of tells you how bad the defense was at times. Luka had 19. But some of that was Dallas hitting a lot of threes early on. And uh, mercifully for the Hawks, the Mavs cooled off as the game went along, which was certainly helpful. And the Hawks did force turnovers all the way all the way through this one. Uh, second quarter was a lot quieter, we'll say, than the first. Uh, Trey and Luka both sat for the first few minutes, which kind of probably helped things. But this is a crazy stat. After the, fir- after the first quarter, both teams had scored 77 points combined in 12 minutes. That's a lot of points. In the second quarter, there were only 18 points in the first six minutes. So basically, they were on pace to score 36 points <laughs> after scoring 77 points in the first. Now, it picked up from there, and uh, it was actually 25-25, but a, a huge drop-off in offensive pace and offensive execution in the second quarter on both sides. But it was dead even, so that was probably fortunate for the Hawks in some respects. The foul trouble began. A Conway has third foul, going into the mid-quarter timeout. Um, Hunter got, fouls, uh, got, got some fouls later on in the quarter. Um, the Hawks led by between three points and six points for the first like nine minutes of the second quarter. Finally, Dallas tied it at the end of the, oh, sorry, near the end of the period. The Hawks really spread out defensively. It felt like trying to be blitzing on Luka and they got spread out a little bit, which is not what you want necessarily. A lot of driving lanes. Um, Hunter got a tough foul call. I thought with about a minute to go for his third. That was unfortunate. And again, no favors from the officiating crew in this game for Atlanta, but on the bright side, the Mavs also had some foul trouble as well. Luka had three, Christian Wood had three, and uh, that allowed the Hawks to kind of be a little bit more aggressive. But the Hawks were up by three points at a halftime break, um, scoring very effectively. They had 16 assists in the first half, seven guys with at least seven points. That was a theme. Again, the entire game was the balance. And I thought they, again, did a great job not settling, attacking the rim, being effective, and uh, not necessarily you know just taking the first shot that was given to them in this one. Defensively, it was kind of ugly, but they did uh, sort of navigate some of the uh, shot-making haymakers from the Mavs by forcing 10, or t- forcing 10 turnovers, I should say, before halftime. Uh, we'll get into the second half now, but as a preview of that, it was nip and tuck all the way through. The Hawks had a really ugly period in the third quarter. They closed very well in the fourth, and we'll get into all of that as well as my observations and takeaways from the full game, as well as the individual player breakdowns at the end of the podcast. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's show. Today's show is brought to you by Rocket Money. Say goodbye to last year's outdated methods of managing your money and say hello to Rocket Money. Rocket Money, formerly known as Truebill, is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your subscriptions that you don't want, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. More than 80% of people have subscriptions that they've actually forgot about at this point in time, like streaming service that you might have bought to watch one show or a free trial that you never actually used. Rocket Money will quickly and easily identify those subscriptions for you so you can stop paying for the ones that you actually don't want to keep. Rocket Money also makes cancellations very easy. All you have to do is Find the subscription, press cancel, and Rocket Money will take care, of, take care of the rest. No more long hold times because of customer service or a bunch of emails back and forth with the company. More than 3 million people at this point have used Rocket Money, and the average person saves up to $720 per year. $720 per year. That's a lot of money. Rocket Money is a huge for someone like me, actually. has to manage a lot of subscriptions for various jobs. or saving multiple times from forgetting about something or paying for something they actually don't want to keep. So it's been huge for me in my financial life. And you can stop throwing money away. Cancel the subscriptions right now that you don't want and manage your, manage your expenses in the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash LockedOnNBA. One more time, that is rocketmoney.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, so the third quarter of this game was a roller coaster all in one. Uh, if you just saw the box score, you would see the Mavs winning the quarter 35 to 33. Uh, that was not telling the whole story because it was uh, it was up, it was down, and it was uh, basically kind of a miracle. I thought the Hawks only lose that quarter by two points. But early on, 
Hunter got his fourth foul within about the first nine seconds of the second half. They went to bogey in his place. Uh, Murray was then tasked with defending Luka Doncic. By the way, DeJounte Murray, who I have been a little bit lower on defensively than some at times. I think he's more of a playmaker off the ball than he is a stopper on the ball. He did a very good job in this game on Luka, which is a credit to him. We'll come back to that later on as well. But Akongu got his fourth foul as well. So within like three minutes, two starters for the Hawks had four fouls. That's not great. Then the Mavs took their first lead of the entire game with a 13-0 run. The Hawks led the entire first half, never trailed. And the big issue was that the Hawks gave up 21 points in the first five and a half minutes of the third quarter. The Mavs scored on nine straight possessions. Now, that's not going to be good for anybody. Uh, the Hawks, at the end of that run, the Mavs were up to a 134 offensive rating in the game, and that's going to get you beat more often than not, obviously. Fortunately, the Hawks did kind of have a counter from that, but that was their low point in this game by a lot. They were down by 10 at one stage in the third quarter, and it was uh, it was ugly at times. But DeJounte Murray, who was, again, very good in this game overall, he had eight, he had eight straight points at a great time, stopped the bleeding. I thought that was a really, really important stretch by him on offense. And then Dallas had kind of a weird challenge in the third quarter. It didn't bite them too much, but they kind of won this. They won it, by the way. It was one of those uh, very low-leverage plays. And I think it actually might have been good for the Hawks, even with the knowledge that Dallas won it because they burned their challenge on a pretty low-leverage play. Anyway, Dallas scored basically every trip for a while. Then the Hawks held them to three points in like three and a half minutes at the, after that to get the, the sort of back in range and up, down by one. They went to Jalen Johnson, as I, as I mentioned before, because of all the foul trouble. They had three guys, Hunter, Collins, and Okongwu, three starters in this game, including their starting forwards and their important backup center, who's usually – it was a starter in this game, but usually the backup center. All three guys had four fouls. And that meant they went to Jalen with two minutes to go in the third quarter. And that's not usual. Uh, one, one time this year, early in the season, I kind of just wanted to lay out how weird it was that the Hawks – didn't play A.J. Griffin for like the entire game, and then he played the entire fourth quarter because they had foul trouble and all that stuff, and there were injuries. This time around, Jalen didn't play that much, but kudos to him. I'll say that. I know I'm, I've said before, and I'll say it again now, I'm not as bothered as a lot of Hawks fans are that Jalen didn't play in this game before that. Rotationally, I think he is the ninth man. If it was up to me, I'd be very clear, I would have at least I, I would at least be trying to play Jalen Johnson every night. I'm not saying otherwise. But I do understand, especially when you cover Nate, like he's going to treat the game like, Every game is the, I don't know, NBA Finals. Anyway, uh, regardless, all that all that said, I, I thought it was really impressive for Jalen Johnson as a young player who basically is like a pseudo-rookie in his second season after not playing much last year to be ready and be engaged and be able to come in and give them good minutes when he was ice cold. He hadn't played all night long. He was talking about an hour and a half into the game. He hadn't played yet, and uh, good, on, good on him for coming in and playing well when he first came in the game. The Hawks actually tried bogey on Luka at the end of the third quarter, which does sound funny. And I said this on Twitter as well, but uh, it sounds hilarious because I've said this a lot. Bogey has been terrible defensively this season. Like, I'm not trying to pull any punches. He's been awful defensively. Um, I think he's been better than that in his career, but this year it's been really rough. Um, but I will say, it's not the worst matchup for, for Bogey in the world. In fact, if there's, if there's a single superstar player in the league, this is obviously a weird bar to clear, but for Bogey to guard, it's probably Luka because – Luca, um, for all of his talents, is not the most fleet of foot. He's not the, he's the quickest guy in the world. And Bogey's primary weakness defensively is his lack of foot speed and his, and his inability to kind of turn and slide at this stage in his career. But Bogey is strong, and he is big, and he is crafty. And he at least didn't get annihilated by Luca, which is, I thought was interesting. For the rest of the time in the second half, it was it was uh, Murray on him uh, in place of Hunter when, Hunter when Hunter was off the floor. But I thought Bogey did a pretty credible job in a weird spot at the end of the quarter. And the Hawks scored four points. It was Capella actually both times off passes by Jalen Johnson and Trey Young to go back up, back up by one at the end of the third. So after all that, I said it before, but maybe they lost by only two points in the third quarter. Amazingly, uh, it was a true roller coaster in that period. But the Hawks did shoot the ball extremely well. 
hit five threes, 62% from the floor in the third, had five turnovers. That's the one ugly part there. But uh, after all that, they did sort of dodge that bullet. And in the fourth, they stayed with Jalen for a while, which I thought was the right move again. Griffin had hit a three early in the fourth quarter, so did Jalen. They went back to Luka, Dallas did, uh, after a few minutes, and the Hawks went back to Hunter and Trey right on uh, right on cue there. Uh, right after that, I should say. Not, not, not the exact same time, but right after that. But Hunter got his fifth foul immediately. So, again, back to Murray on him at that point in time. And, again, just so many, so many whistles in this game. It was a, a weird lack of flow for a high-scoring game. Um, but defensively, the Hawks had a really great stretch in the middle of the fourth quarter. They got four or five stops in a row um, to build like a seven-point lead mid-quarter. Matt's had three points in like a four-minute period. That was huge. And then Murray was just great in the fourth quarter. He really was. He had eight points and four assists in the first eight minutes of the fourth. He made he made jump shots. He got to the rim. He was under control. He wasn't forcing a lot, which is good to see because when he's had some rough, rough nights this season, it's mostly because he's forcing and taking some makeable but contested kind of below-average shots. Wasn't a lot of that in this game. And again, he, he defended quite well. I will say this. It's kind of a weird thing. Bogdanovich played 19 consecutive minutes in the second half, um, which is weird for anyone, to be honest. It's even weirder for a guy who has had all the knee, all the knee issues that Bogdanovich has had this year. Um, somebody asked me why that would happen. I think the reason why it happened, I'm not saying this is, this is correct, but the reason is because of all the foul trouble. Basically, what happened was they had Bogey basically play the three for the majority of the quarter um, and the third and the most of the fourth because of all the issues with Hunter off the floor. And Bogey was just out there and probably nobody noticed or either uh, they were probably checking with him and all that stuff. But like, I would not have done that. I think it's not great to have Bogey in particular of all the guys on the roster play that many minutes in a row. But it happened. I want to at least point it out. Um, the Hawks did lead by eight points with about four minutes to play. The Mavs did not roll over. It was back to three with three minutes to go. And then we'll kind of go play by play from there for a second. Um, the Hawks, out of a timeout, went to, back to their traditional number one lineup. The star guards plus Hunter, Collins, and Capella, their best five. I know they have other other guys who are you know definitely credible to be used there, but those are those are the best five players this season. Um, I will say briefly, Luca went right at Hunter after uh, Hunter. By the way, missed. He was good in this game when he played. I thought other than the fouls, he had a a, a, a pretty open three that he shot off the side of the backboard. It was a weirdly bad shot at that point in time. And Luca, Luca got, went went right through him with four with five fouls, and the lead was down to one. Now the Hawks never lost the lead fortunately, because Capella got off to rebound in the next possession, creating a second chance opportunity. And then Murray hit a three. That was an enormous shot to go back, back up by four. And then from there, the Hawks were basically in control. Um, they did dodge one with Dinwiddie having a good look at a three that literally rattled all the way in and out. That was fortunate. Uh, Murray then took his one bad shot of the fourth. It wasn't like a horrible shot, but it was definitely a heat check. I'm sure Neek said that it was a heat check at some point, um, but it was not a great shot. He missed it. But then Collins had a Great defensive play. The, big, the biggest defensive play of the night. Um, he got, weirdly, it was Reggie Bullock. It's not really a guy that penetrates a lot, but it was a, it was swung to him. He upfaked in the left corner and drove on Collins, who went, had a great, like, picture-perfect verticality play, blocked the shot, ended the possession, trades a floater, and basically the game is over. Now, I did give up a, a bucket after that after a timeout, but once I got the ball to Trey up four, Trey is uh, not – automatic but close to it at the line and i've said this before but it's a huge weapon to have your 90 percent free throw shooter be your best player and that's trey young he sealed it he sealed at the line and that was the end of that so the hawks never trailed in the fourth i'll say that after all that they were uh in good position the majority of the way they were they're up eight it got a little dicey got, the, got down to one a couple times but uh made the plays at the very end of the game and uh really big picture what i'll say i'll say is this the offense was incredible in this game that is 100 percent true uh they scored 130 points on 98 possessions. That's more than a 130 offensive rating, obviously, if you do the math on that. 
Um, I don't care who you're playing against or where it is. Uh, number one, it's a road game. Dallas is not a good defensive team. That is important to keep in mind. This is not like they're playing the Celtics or the Bucks or uh, the Cavs or whoever you want to say, the, uh, Memphis. Um, but they were playing a good team and not a good defensive team, but a good team and not a terrible defensive team either. And the Hawks went crazy in this game. Now, <laughs> we'll get into this now. It was definitely a hot shooting night for the Hawks. Uh, I'm, I'm sure someone will get mad at me for saying that. Uh, it's just the reality. If you watch this game back, the Hawks, again, were very good, full stop, on offense in this game. Now, adjust for this, they definitely shot above their heads because no team is as good as the Hawks were shooting-wise in this game. They were 60% on twos in the game. That's not crazy, by the way. But 50% on threes, that is a pretty high number, even though not huge volume. And they were 19 and 20 at the line. Uh, that's If you're going to shoot like that, you're going to win more often than not. Also, they were 22 of 40 on mid-range attempts. That's a huge volume number on floaters in particular and a really good accuracy number. Anytime you're shooting more than 45% on twos, you're in good, you're in good shape. And the Hawks were at like 50-plus. So that's a pretty good number. Also, 56 points of the paint is actually a good number. That's, that's very effective. But even with the caveat, the Hawks did shoot above their water in this game. They were still really good process-wise. 28 assists, 12 turnovers. That's a really good ratio. They were going to the offensive glass. They had seven guys double figures. They attacked effectively. It was a good, it was a good game plan. And I'll say this, you know, I know the Hawks fans uh, especially do not like anything that's positive about Nate McMillan. I thought the Hawks were very well prepared for this game on offense and defense. They attacked Dallas's weaknesses pretty effectively in this one on, on both ends of the floor, offensively in particular, attacking the rim where Dallas is very vulnerable. They're a below average team near the rim. They foul a lot. And uh, they don't really have a great rim protection setup, especially without Kleber. Like Christian Wood is a blow average defender. JaVale McGee is, doesn't play a ton for them. Um, they are not great on the interior. And the Hawks knew that and emphasized it. Uh, defensively, it wasn't fantastic. We'll say that. A 126 defensive rating. That's going like, to get you beat a lot of the time. But they were better in the fourth. I'll say that. They held the Mavs down to an effective 25 points in the fourth quarter. And they threw a lot of stuff at Luka Doncic. Now, Luka had 19 in the first quarter. Ended up with 30 and eight assists like he wasn't bad but he wasn't like dominant after the first quarter he really wasn't uh he had seven turnovers in the game that's a good number for the hawks to be forcing and they had him under control for the most part despite all the foul trouble and i thought they did a good job mixing mixing it up they blitzed him they obviously played traditional defense they switched on him a little bit um they were throwing different guys at him it was bogey it was murray it was hunter um they have good they have good bigs to be effective on him when he's sort of in space he's not going to like embarrass clint capella or under kongu or john collins in a, in a switch so the hawks did a good job defensively in this game uh on luca in particular now the rest of it what are you going to do but the mavs did shoot the ball well from two-point range they were 28 of 42 on two so like made two-thirds of those but from three they cooled off a lot they made six in the first quarter only 16 in the game now they still took a lot of threes and made a lot of threes but nothing out of the ordinary for dallas and only 24 further attempts allowed. So I'm not going to tell you the Hawks played well defensively, but they did a good job as the game went along and uh, dodged some bullets. And offensively, they just, just sort of rode the wave to a fantastic performance and an overall win that was uh, notably impressive in this spot. All right, we'll have my individual breakdowns in a second, as well as a brief look ahead to the weekend. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online, and the NBA is, of course, the centerpiece of this podcast on a daily basis. Although we've already been a very busy 2023 for the Hawks and really across the league, there's also plenty of football going on right now, including a bunch of NFL action, playoff showdowns coming this weekend, especially. And plus, you have hockey and college hoops, other stuff going on. 
across the sports world. The action never stops. And BetOnline is the number one source for your wave information, I should say, stats and news this season. Get the latest odds and trends for every pro and college league out there. BetOnline, and that includes the latest in soccer and esports and golf and tennis, and auto racing, horse racing, entertainment bets, and much more. BetOnline is also very useful. Engaging the latest on the Hawks. I have the point spreads each and every game, money lines, over-unders, player props, all that fun stuff, to all the future market stuff as well with regard to if the Hawks go win the division or win the conference or win the title even or even individual award stuff. It's all there at BetOnline. BetOnline is the fastest, easy way, easiest way to get your sports betting fix. And if you love sports podcasts, you can also find those at BetOnline as well. Check out BetOnline either on your mobile device or on your computer to learn more about all the trends and the action in the sports world. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay, and we're getting to the individual player performances on this Wednesday evening into Thursday in Dallas. And really, most guys in the Hawks roster play well. As you might imagine, for a quality road win like this, there were not a whole lot of weaknesses. If there was one guy who did not like have a great numbers game, it was Bogdanovich. So Bogey ends up with 12 points on 13 shots, did have five assists and one turnover, moved the ball well. Uh, I mentioned before, def- defensively, I thought he was probably better than usual in this game. But he's only he was only two of eight from, two of eight from three in this game. Uh, weirdly, Bogey's been ice cold. He is 7 of 35 from three in the last six games. Now, people are kind of, I've already hearing the chirps about like why Bogey's playing. And, um, you know, I obviously they're not going to bury Bogey. I think it's pretty obvious, but I'll just say it because they're not going to stop playing Bogey. That's never going to happen as long as he's healthy. Um, you could certainly argue that Griffin was better at times in this game. It is a big step for the Hawks to start playing AJ Griffin, quote unquote, over Bogdanovich. That's uh, probably not going to happen in the near future. Uh, Bogey wasn't great in this game, he's got to make shots. At the same time, I think there's no reason to believe he won't make shots. Bogey, that's the one thing you kind of know about him. He's going to make shots. He's an effective offensive player, and he gets guarded. Even when Bogey misses a bunch of shots, which happened in this game, and again, 735 last six games, he gets defended like probably nobody on the team does. Maybe Trey. Maybe Trey. AJ's getting up there for the for defenses like this, but Bogey gets uh, sort of a fire alarm when he whenever he's open, and that definitely helps you. But he wasn't great. The passing was pretty good, though, and then defensively it was better than usual for Bogey in this game, I thought. Jalen Johnson, small sample size, only put six minutes. But again, kudos to him for staying ready, playing well, hit his only shot from three, had a rebound, had an assist, and a steal. There was one defensive breakdown at one point in the fourth quarter early on. That I think he, I think he came out of the game right after that. Maybe that might have been why he came out. But I thought it was, again, a good sign for him to be engaged. He's been playing well recently. I'm not going to be burning the place down because he's not playing. I get all that. Um, I would play him. I'll be honest about that. But I do kind of get it on all sides, and I'm not, I think that hopefully with a back-to-back looming on Friday and Saturday, the Hawks will make a plan to get him on the floor in probably both those games, if it's up to me, but especially one of them to kind of preserve minutes and all that stuff. Anyway, Joe did a good job in this game when he played. Uh, Griffin uh, had 10 points, two rebounds. Uh, didn't do a ton on, uh, on offense besides just making shots, but he does that. He had t- 10 points on four, on four shot attempts. Not, not too bad. Maybe, maybe both of his threes. He's a great shooter. His floater game is fantastic. Um, defensively, eh, mixed bag from as he as sort of usually is at this point in time. But AJ has enough flashes where uh, he is very, very impressive. And then Capella off the bench, sixteen points, six rebounds, a steal, and a block in twenty-three minutes. He had, uh, I think, two pretty bad misses around the rim. There was one stretch in the third quarter where he kind of just couldn't handle the ball for whatever reason, and that's kind of the Capella experience. But I thought he was awesome, honestly. I think Clint, uh, aside from that weird hiccup in the third where he kind of just had some ball issues, some ball, ball security issues. Um, I think he played very well and he looks the part. The Hawks were awesome when he played. He, they were plus 10 with Capella and minus four with the Kongwu. That's not because Banyaka, I thought just Clint was just really good. And uh, it's important to note, like he is, he makes them the team that they are. It, it is what it is. Capella is very important and we'll see if he can play more. And also I'm intrigued to see if he plays both games on Friday and Saturday. We'll see. Um, two starters in this game. Uh, we'll, go, we'll go to a Kongwu now, 11 points. Five rebounds, 
did have free turnovers kind of weirdly and uh, had some defensive rebounding problems along the way. I thought he was just fine. He might, he might have been the guy that I think was maybe below average compared to his baseline, other than Bogey in this game was was a but he was still fine. He wasn't like he was bad. Uh, Hunter had a, had a weird one. Obviously, the five fouls limited in twenty five minutes in this game. He was plus seven when he played. I thought he did a pretty good job on Luca. Um, two two rebounds is not great. Two assists, eleven points on nine shots, totally fine. It was just kind of an okay game for Hunter. He's been kind of uh, having a, a pretty interesting renaissance breakout kind of thing in the last couple of games. It was cooler on this one offensively, but there was like sort of a, sort of a lack of rhythm there because of the fouls. So I thought he did a fine job when he played. Uh, I thought Collins was really, really, really good in this one. 19 points, five rebounds, three assists, two blocks, hit three of five from three. That's huge for John. He was five of nine on twos as well. Defensively had the biggest play of the game on the book on, on the bullet play in the final minute or so. And then uh, just was rock solid around the rim. I thought he was uh, in, the, in the flow of the offense. He was efficient. He moved the ball when he needed to. He was aggressive when he needed to be, and a good game overall for him, um, definitely. And then the uh, the star guards were both good in different ways. So uh, we'll go to Dejounte now. Dejounte had thirty points to lead all scores, um, seven seven rebounds, I should say, four assists, one turnover. Shot the heck out of the ball in this game. He was eight of twelve on twos. He was four of six on threes. Made both free throw, free throw attempts. Plus seven. Defensively, he was better than usual. I thought for sure in this game, and he was really good. He's been finding his stride in recent days. Um, I know he had a stretch like this early in the season as well. So I'm trying not to go too crazy. Like, I don't think that every problem is solved with DeJounte. But, you know, three games in a row now with, with at least 27 points. And uh, the big thing is that he's just make, been making shots. So the test is, for Murray, how he fares when he's not making his pull-up jumper. Because, like, that, he, he relies on that a lot. And the last three games, he is, I believe, uh, like, seven of – yeah, he's, like, 11 of 19 from three. That's not going to continue, I don't think. But he's been under control. He's been attacking. He's been decisive. And uh, I think he had, he had 19 points in the second half in this game, 11, 11 in the fourth quarter. He was huge and a big night for him. And then Trey. So it's it's weird because if you have followed Trey Young's career, Trey's been averaging like 28 to 30 points and like 9 to 11 assists per game for three or four seasons. He's been doing this for a long time. So this game, Trey has 18 points and 12 assists. And if you didn't watch, you'd be like, all right, Trey had a decent game. I thought he was really, really, really good. I really did. Like I think Trey there's a tendency for him to get bogged down into some, you know, hero ball or trying to upstage Luca. And I don't, I don't want to make too, too, too much out of that. In fact, I think it's it's sort of nauseating to me that every single time these teams play, it's it's Trey versus Luca. It's just too much for me. Anyway, I was impressed by Trey not doing that in this game. He took 11 shots. Yes, he got to the line eight times as well. So that's 15 shooting possessions. That's a really manageably low number for Trey. He was under control. The 12 assists, he was running the offense. He was deferring to Murray because Murray was hot. That should happen. Trey only had four turnovers, hit three steals. I think defensively, he's been pretty good in this winning streak. Um, not a coincidence either. I think Trey, when he digs in, again, he's never going to be good defensively, but there are times when there are levels. Like when Trey is not engaged defensively, he is actively horrible. When he's engaged defensively, he doesn't have to kill you. He's in the, he can be in the right spot. He can be active. He's got good hands. He's not that small. He's, he's small. He's not that small. So, and this is a game where like, yeah, defensively, the Hawks were not good, but I thought Trey like did his job in this game defensively. So, for all that, like, I don't think it was his best game of the season. But if you told me this was like a top five or six game for the season for Trey, I think I, I think I would buy that. Which might sound crazy for 18 points for a guy who averages almost 30. But Trey was really good. He, play, he played winning basketball the entire night. He was really, really engaged. And you know, even with the ankle thing, I'm sure that was bothering him in the second half. He just played well, and I was impressed by that. So uh, kudos to Trey for uh, all of that. So anyway, that's it for today's podcast in terms of the performances. But just the last thing here, the Hawks 
are rolling a little bit. And this is not like solved. The problems have not gone away. The off-court stuff still looms. But they've won four games in a row, and none of those games were against bad teams. Now, were they against the absolute best teams in the league? No. But you beat the Pacers on the road. Pacers are playing well this year. You beat the Raptors on the road in a place that you hardly ever win. You beat the Heat at home, a team that has owned you in the recent past. And then you go to Dallas and win. And Dallas is a good team. Dallas was a conference final team last year. Now, they're worse this year than they were last year, but still, that's a, that's a playoff team in the West, and you go on the road and win, win that game. So a very impressive run by the Hawks here. Um, and I guess there's, I sort of joked about this, but I think it's kind of uh, hilarious. I guess there might be just a rule somewhere the Hawks are not allowed to be good until the second half of the season. Obviously, this run started in game uh, in game 40, what, game 42, which, again, is the start of the second half of the season, which is so funny to me. It's obviously more just um, – coincidental but uh it's definitely a little bit funny that the hawks after the last two seasons when it had these these strong closes of the season this year they start out 19 and 22 in the first half and now they're four in the second half it's kind of funny but it's still a thing that's been happening so from here the hawks return home on thursday and then they have a back-to-back on friday and saturday very manageable uh, the knicks are the opponent on friday the knicks are playing quite well this year they actually lost tonight at home to the Wizards, which is kind of a bad loss for New York. But uh, overall, they actually have a two-game lead on the Hawks, or maybe two and a half game lead on the Hawks at this point. So that's a game where the Hawks, I think, will be favored if they're at full strength at home, but not a walkover by any means. And then they have – it's a home back-to-back, so they, they play the Hornets on Saturday. Now, no travel is a little bit easier back-to-backs. The Hornets are – shall we say bad, and also LaMelo Ball got hurt tonight, unfortunately. So that is a pretty manageable stretch. I think the Hawks will be favored in both games, definitely be favored in, in a Charlotte game, barring a weird injury situation. So there's room for there's room here for a run if the Hawks want to keep it going. Obviously, no uh, no guarantees there, but they've been better at home than on the road this year. They're 12-9 at home. And uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of good momentum on the court. Um, guys to be having fun playing basketball, which is uh, not a small thing. I think this is a professional basketball. It's not always about having fun, but when the vibes are good and the team is playing well and the wins come, um, things just inherently get better. There's going to be a lot of attention on the Hawks in the rumor market in the last in the next couple of weeks. I have some stuff to touch on on a future podcast about the latest on the trade rumor stuff, and uh, that's all looming. I promise you we'll get to that in the future, but February is looming now, and the Hawks are playing well, and uh, the feeling around the team is a lot different than it was just a few days ago when all the uh, – organizational turmoil started bubbling even more to the surface than it actually is now. Winning cures all in the NBA is a famous thing that's always said, and it's probably because it happens to be true. Anyway, that'll do it for today's podcast. Please subscribe to the show. Please tell a friend about the podcast. And again, all the places that you can find podcasts, you can find us, uh, whether it be Apple Podcasts or Spotify, Stitcher, we're on the Odyssey app, we're on Google Play, um, all those places. If you like, if you like to find the show and you cannot find it, please let me know. I will get you pointed in the right direction. We're also on YouTube, where uh, it's definitely easy to subscribe there as well. If you want to support the podcast, the best thing to possibly do is to subscribe and auto-download across multiple platforms. I'm not above asking for that. If you want to set, go ahead and set it and forget it on uh, to auto-download on Overcast or whatever, that's very helpful to boost the podcast and help our sponsors and all that fun stuff. And uh, also, follow us on Twitter at Lots on Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. Follow my written work over at patreon.com slash BT Roland. I appreciate everyone listening to the podcast, checking us out today. We'll be back again later in the week with full coverage of the weekends back-to-back and much more. And uh, again, one more time, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.